Yeah, and the book has that the book has that moment as you as you're reflecting or recalibrating on a lot of the themes that are there in the book. And I I, I was thinking about that the other day that I I feel I was talking to someone about it. I was like, I feel that way about both laughter and tears. Like they're yeah. they're almost two things we try and hold back. Like we're like, oh, you can't cry about that, or you can't laugh about that. And and actually sometimes those are the two best things to do about most of those scenarios in life. And why not do it more and more? You know, I know we're trying to raise our kids to say, hey, you know, I tell them a story. And this is part of why I got into went into finally went to film school in yeah. college. I started keeping a diary because I would go to the theater and it'd be a packed house. And I would laugh at the joke that nobody else in the theater laughed at. The whole theater would laugh at the joke that I was like, I didn't think that was funny. <laughs> I was finding I was not crying when people someone close died. I was crying when someone was born mm. and I was going, is this okay? Am I weird? Am I off? And I was like, no, double lean into that. It's okay. And let's start writing these things down yeah. about how you feel about particular situations, Matthew. And, and started to write those down and then find some confidence to go. That's okay. Talk to my parents, talk to friends about them. They were like, no, that's different, but that's, you know, keep writing down those unique sides of yourself. And that, that's a good point. We try to raise our kids. Hey, laugh, cry whenever it's come on. Let, let it out. Let it be part of the conversation. It goes along with people say, oh, don't, you know, that old adage, don't talk to yourself. I'm yeah. Like, what? No, do talk to yourself. <laughs> Just remember to answer. Talk yeah. to yourself all you want. Just answer. <laughs> I love that. Just answer. That's true. That That's a great yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. It's And actually that's, that's half the, half the challenge, right? Like all of these like old kind of rules or statements or whatever it may be kind of block that thinking. But what you were doing by writing it down, and I love that. And I love how much of the book is like literally looks like scribbles of your yeah. writing and your journals and your annotation, which which I get fascinated by. But that was you when you when you talk about the concept of knowing who you are is hard and eliminating who you're not first. It's when yes. you start writing these things down that you start constructing who you are and deconstructing right. who you're not. Yes, that that was it. And it was look, I look at my early diaries. I was writing when I first started, like. 15, right before I started writing those things down, like a, you know, a theater of how my personal response was to situations. When do most of us go to a diary? Hmm. When we're having problems. Dear diary, uh, so-and-so broke up with me. It broke my heart. Uh, the stuff I won't say to anybody else is just between me and you. Hard times. Early 20s, I started to notice that when I would find my groove and get rolling on something and was successful and, and, and was waking up in the morning, looking forward to heading out into the day and having good human interactions with people and was succeeding at school. And so, I was like, you hadn't written in your diary in a while. Just like, when do, when do we pray? Yeah. Usually when we're in trouble, right? <laughs> and you got to say, well, all right, I've been dissecting my failures. I think I need to start writing stuff down to make sure I take the time to write stuff down when things are going well so I can dissect my successes in the hopes that when I get into another rut again in the future, which I will, I can go back to my diaries and go, what were my habits back then when I felt like I was rolling? Yeah. And you can find a bit of science to that satisfaction. Yeah. It can be who you're hanging out with, where you were going, how late you were staying up. Um, uh, what you were eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It can be all kinds of things. You can find a science to, I'm going to get back in that groove again. And it can help nudge you back. It's never the same, but it can help get you back in your lane. So, you know, this identity, who are you? It's a tough question to answer. What is easier and, and, and more fun is to go, 
All right, if I'm not sure who I am, let me answer who I'm not. What are those people, places, and things that are giving me a hangover or not feeding me back or not bringing out my truest self? Well, you know what? I'm going to eliminate those from my life. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm getting rid of where I don't want to be anymore. And by process of elimination, you end up <laughs> with more things that will feed you and feed your good wolf right in front of you because you've eliminated the things that were feeding the bad wolf. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. You've reminded me. I, I believe I came across it when I was looking at Christianity and I'd heard it. And it was a statement of like, you know, don't make God or the Bible your spare tire, make it your steering wheel, right? Like that kind of right. way of thinking about it. Like, you know, it's not just for a bad time. And and I love what you're saying there because you're, you're spot on that we struggle to get into a groove again because we we forget what we did when things were yeah. good because we never and think And when they're going it. good, you think you're never going to forget them because you think, oh, this is it. This is the mean. This is how it will always be. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Trust it. That hill's coming. <laughs> yeah. And and we we remember the bad times more than the good times because when something good is happening, we celebrate for a day. And when something yeah. bad's happening, we cry for a month. And we get so yeah. immersed in that pain that you remember that pain you have a good memory for pain but we don't necessarily have a memory for for movement and joy and growth pleasure and success and those things yeah and i know i've had to watch this for me when things are going really well i'm like aha this as i said this is the mean this is as it should be and and you can just sustain this and if it goes below this that's a debit but it, it, it should always be this and it's just not fair yeah. to ourselves or anyone else, because either we're going to create our own crisis for ourselves or the world's going to give us one yeah. that we didn't ask for. And we're going to have to adapt to something and be beneath that mean again. And it's good to have a little map, if you can, of wait, where was I? Where was my head? Where was my heart? How aligned were they in the decisions and choices I was making when I felt like life was one big green light? Mm. And you can go back and you can see how you can engineer them by our habits. Yeah, it's it's like, I mean, using your beautiful metaphor, it's like remembering a route or a path to somewhere. Like when you knew you found that really cool path up that really beautiful mm-hmm. road and it was quicker and faster. And if you never wrote it down, you just forget it. But tell us, you, you said like, we all have three choices. You were like persist, pivot or concede. Yeah. How, have you, how have you decided in your life when to persist, when to pivot and when to concede? Because, and tell us, share some examples for those that you think yeah. would help people understand. Let's bring up a, a situation, and if you can think of one, shoot it at me. Yeah. And we can we can deconstruct these three on that. Yeah. Look, well, maybe growing up to become a lawyer, like you know, you thought you wanted to become a lawyer. That may yeah. be one. Yeah. So I thought I wanted to become a lawyer. That was that was the in-house in-family credo. That was it. I was a great debater. I would win arguments. I could, I, I was tireless in them. I was in school debate in high school. This is it. Family business is going well. Shoot, the joke was you go become the, you'll defend the family's business, Matthew. Go ahead. Great. I'm heading off. Great idea. I go to University of Texas, headed towards law school. Well, the first two years in school, what are you taking? You're taking liberal arts, filling out some credits. After that sophomore year, you better start knowing where you want to go because you, those credits, you have to, they have to fill, fulfill the direction you're heading. And if you switch your majors junior, senior, you can lose credits. Hmm. Well, I was not sleeping well with the idea that I got to finish school here. Then I got to go to law school. Then I got to try to get a job. And then if I'm a practicing lawyer, I'm really not making a mark or experiencing anything until I'm in my thirties. I said, I really don't, I'm not excited about the idea of spending my thirties getting educated in a classroom about something before I can actually practically experience it. So 
I had been writing, as you, as you know, and I started sharing those writings with a friend of mine who was at NYU Film School. His name's Rob Bindler. He said he, the writings were good. And he also said, you know what? You got great character and confidence. You should think about it in front of the camera, too. Well, that part, I kind of was too, didn't have the courage to even embrace the idea of being in front of the camera. It was too avant-garde. I came from a blue collar, work your way up. You had to be an actor. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's so European, you know what I mean? <laughs> or whatever. And so, oh, what, what is that? Now, that'll never fly. But I could grasp the idea that, okay, I want to go be a storyteller behind the camera. Hmm. Now I got to call dad, mom, who are paying my schooling for this. <laughs> um, I got to pivot. All right. Now, I could have kept my head down and just gone, no, this is just a pipe dream you got right now. Lawyer will work. Just follow it through. You'll be a damn good lawyer, which I believe I would have been. I could have persisted. But I said, no, I got, I got, to, I got to pivot here. Now, how do I pivot here? I got to get the approval of mom and dad, especially dad. And I don't think this is going to go over well with him. So let me make a plan how to reapproach this situation. I'm going to call him Tuesday night, 730. He'll be home from work. He'll have dinner. He'll be having a beer on the couch with mom. He'll be in a great mood. He'll be able to digest this 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 question better. I call him up and I said, "Pop," I said. Uh, he goes, "Hey, little buddy." I said, uh, "Dad, I don't want to go to law school more. I want to go to film school." And I hear this pause, five seconds. Then I hear this voice. Well, son, you sure that's what you want to do? I said, "Yes, sir." Another pause for five seconds, and then I heard three words that were a launch pad for me coming from my dad at that time. I couldn't have said anything better. And I did not expect this. Three words were, oh, don't half-ass it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Not only did you approve, you shot me out of a shotgun and said, this is more than privilege. You got your freedom here and you better do a damn good job at it. Whoa, it was freedom. And I was off. Went to film school, got confidence in telling stories, started working in front of the camera. And here I sit. <laughs> whatever, 20, 30 years later. So I made a pivot at that time because the idea of continuing on to go down the path of being a lawyer, just, it wasn't, I wasn't sleeping well. It's always a good way for me to explain something. How are you sleeping with it? Mm -hmm. What's waking you up at night? The idea of doing it or the idea of losing or missing it? It's a mm -hmm. good way to measure kind of what yeah. choices we got, we want to make in life. Well, you know, I do it with scripts all the time, or I really want to do this. Well, let me sleep with, with the fact that I, am going to do it yeah. for two weeks. And okay. I'm going to see what wakes me up at night. Am I waking up because I'm going, oh, man, I'm not sure if I trust that director or that script. Now I'm going to sleep with the fact that I'm not doing this. Now what keeps me up at night? Waking up going, no, I've got to do that project. I can't go without it. It's a good measuring stick for going, well, I think I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? So what I wasn't sleeping well with the idea of being a lawyer. It would have Things would have worked out in another way and probably okay if I would have done that. But my soul was itching and I was uncomfortable and I made a pivot at that time. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Everyone who's listening and watching right now, I literally want you to write these two things down because these are practical things that you can do. And I know that my community loves stuff that they can actually do. The first one here was write down your wins, write down those grooves, write down when things are going in the right direction, uh, the green lights and what's going right and how you're doing it, who you're around, what's happening. And the second one here, I love this piece of advice, like sleep with it as if you are going to do it, right? Or sleep with it as if you're not going to do it. Like both of those are great. Yeah, great ways of testing 
which one you woke up feeling more excited about yep. or nervous about or anxious about and what part of it. Like that's such a, I love that. Like that's so practical. I've never, I've never thought about it like that. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to play with that one too. It's a cool decision-making paradigm. If you can give yourself enough time to really commit your mind, like I'm doing this and you'll yeah. start to realize, well, what does that mean for the next six months of my life? The next year, what am I going to miss out on? Uh, or, or God, or, or, or are you, are you thinking about everything you're going to do with that? <laughs> And it's more of a reason it's waking up at night because you just can't wait to get up and work on it. That's another thing that's saying, yeah, you probably ought to do it. There's there's good scared and there's bad scared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's nice to go in any situation and be scared, but you let your spider sense say, wait, am I, am I scared? Because whew, this is a great challenge and I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I've got the courage to dive in. Or am I scared because the pedigree around it isn't maybe up to the excellence that I want. And that's another kind of scared. You're like, I need to listen to that. Maybe that's a reason not to do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that distinction between the two. And that links nicely to one of the other quotes that stuck out to me in the book where you were like, you know, when you can ask yourself if you want to before you do. And I thought, I was like, yeah, that's, that's real right there because there's a lot of things. And, and actually it's one of the biggest things I hear a lot of is, I'm always encouraging people to move towards their their purpose and things that fulfill them and 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 moving in that direction and pivoting as you did. And and a big part of that question is, but I can do so many things. Right. And that's a common thing where people are like, oh, but I could do every I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. But you have this really distinction. Ask yourself if you want to. Walk us through that and why yeah. that was such an important one to write down and push out. Well, it, it worked its way into a nice little limerick riddle as it laid out and it's got you know there's different ways to look at the 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 line um look too many options can make tyrants of all of us Mm. (laughs) you know yeah the the devil's in the yeses more than the (laughs) no's you know what i mean yeah i mean i've been there where let's say me you know after i got famous in the time to kill my life did a 180 the Friday before Time to Kill came out, there were a hundred scripts I wanted to do and would have done anything to do them. But 99 were no, you cannot do them. And one of them was yes. Mm. Well, over one weekend, I got a movie that does well, Time to Kill. That Monday, out of those hundred scripts, all of a sudden it was 99 or yes, they're yours. Go for it, please. They're all green lights. Please do them. One of them is no. And I'm going, oh, wait a minute. In a matter of 72 hours, I, three days ago, would have done any of this and couldn't do any. And now you're telling me I can do all of them? Well, like, all of them look great. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're asking me to be discerning right now and to ask inside my soul when my head is just spinning going, wait a minute, two days ago, I would have done any of these. How do I know what I want to do? I want to do all of them. But wait, Matthew's only 24 hours in the day. I know, but I need 90 hours in the day. Anybody giving that? Nope, they're not giving that. Still 24 hours in the day. <laughs> Uh, what I got to do? Well, for me, I had to get the hell out of Dodge, get out of Hollywood and go hear myself think, let, let my, let my memories catch up, let my brain get reconnected to my heart and soul and get an auto bond in there. Because at the moment, at that time, there was a, there was a one lane gravel road and it was bumpy driving, you know, between the old head and the head and the heart. So I took off and had to go listen to try to listen to myself and get some, just, you know, some sort of demarcations between all this, frequency of options that were now on top of me. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> it, does. I, it, it does. It does. It does. I was going to follow it up with um, what's the hardest no you think you've ever had to say? Like, what was like the one which yeah. you were like, this was like, this challenged me where 
I, I wanted to say yes, but, but I had to follow my own advice and say no. Well, the hardest no for me, and I'll base this on career, yeah. was about 14 years ago. And the, the story's in the book of when I was rom-com king. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, they were fun. They were easy. I loved doing them. I was getting paid big bank for doing them. We missed them. <laughs> My wife does for sure. There's, you know, I mean, <laughs> hope maybe I still got another good one in there, in yeah. me, in me out there. Um, they were making money for the studios. I was the go-to rom-com guy, and like I said, they were Saturday characters. They were easy. There was nothing wrong with that. But I was feeling very vital in my life. Yeah. I just had a newborn son. I'd met the woman that I'm, I'm now married to, and I, I loved harder. I, 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 I had. I was could get angrier, harder. I laughed louder. I, I, my life was like vital, and I was like, "Boy, my 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 life's so much more vital than my work." I wish I could find some characters that would challenge the vitality of my own life. The man I'm in, the man I am, in the life I'm living. So I wanted dramas. I was looking for these dramas. Well, those dramas weren't coming. So this goes back to process of elimination. If I can't get what it is I want to do, I'm going to stop doing what it is I've been doing. That's not filling me up. Right. So I made a staunch stance and said, I'm not going to do the rom-coms anymore. I'm not doing the action adventures. Well, guess what? If you're not going to do those, you may not be working for a while. And that was true. Mm. For 20 months, I didn't work. It's a long for time. 15 of those 20 months, I got offered zero, not a zilch. I was gone. I thought Hollywood may have forgot about me. So it was a big no. The hardest no, because I'm sitting there this time getting offered $15 million offers for well-written, cool, romantic comedies. I'm like, they're pretty damn good. And by the way, it's even better. The version at $15 million is a better script than the, the one that was offered at $8 million, even though they were the same words. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, so I, I looked at those things, but I said, no, I, I made this choice with myself. I made this choice with God. I made this choice with my wife, Camilla. Uh, my family knows about it. Uh, I really need to go through this dry period. I don't know how long it's going to last. I got to hang on to the belief that if it's to be, something will come up. The work I want to find will come up and find me. And sure as heck, 20 months into it, all of a sudden, I was a new good idea. So I had an unbranding two-year phase. I didn't rebrand. I unbranded. I was gone. I wasn't in the rom-coms. You didn't see me on the beach without a shirt. Where's McConaughey? I don't know. He's forgotten. Forget it. Don't even send him another script because he's not going to do it. It's a rom-com. All of a sudden, someone's going, you know what would be good for Killer Joe, Magic Mike, Mud, True Detective, Dallas Buyers Club? McConaughey would be a good idea. It's kind of an interesting, it's a novel idea now. It wasn't novel two years before. You know, so that was a big time where I, I dug my heels in and said, no, that's eliminated what it was I was doing to then find and be found and offered what it is I wanted to do and who I wanted to become. That's a great connection to that answer. Like, I, I wasn't thinking of that when I said that. That's a that's a, that's a great connection to that because almost unbranding or unlearning or almost like you said, disappearing is is the hardest way of refining your identity because you don't know what the next step is. So there's a leap in that darkness. There's that. You're, you're, you've you're consciously and deliberately and intentionally throwing yourself into limbo. Yeah. Which is the worst thing. We're all in a certain limbo right now. It's the most uncomfortable part. It's part of the reason our country's divided so wide right now because people need 
purpose, identity, and something to cling on to. So they're clinging on to the fringes just to have a sense of, okay, at least I'm about something. I don't know if I agree with what it's about, but at least I'm about something. Yeah. And it's, 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 you're throwing yourself into a limbo. And then look, I had help. I had, I had a great wife next to me helping me out. I had a newborn son, which was my North star compass every day. Every time I get antsy, what am I doing? I have no significance in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, well, look at, look at your family. Look at that young, look at that young man right there that you were part of creating and that you can raise as a father. It's a brand new day for him every single day. Let's try and see what he's seen or put things in front of him that are going to make him go, ah, I like this next day. So that was, that was, that gave me an anchor during that time when I was getting, when I was had some times of being quite wobbly. Yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful, man. I, I think that that is, is a great lesson for all of us. And it's so funny that, you know, when I was reading your book and literally in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to my team because I've been coming off like I was saying to you earlier, my, my book space. And, and I was looking at 2021 and, and I was kind of having this moment where I was like, and it, it's, it literally timed when I was reading your book. I was like, I need to start saying no next year. Like that's my next challenge. Like my challenge next year is to go deeper in what I've committed to and do it better and, and go into just immersing myself into it rather than trying to do every, you know, trying to do all these things where at one point in my life, it was really important that I was trying to do a lot of things. Yep. And, and now well, it's, you're probably being offered to do things you've never been able to offer to do before. Totally. And, and it's like, so, yeah, please. Thank you. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm literally in that, I'm in that phase of my life right now in this phase of it where I'm like, okay, well, actually I, I need to stop that. So it, it just came so perfectly timed and it was so interesting. I was saying to someone the other day, I was like, there's all these opportunities, but you know, it, it's not going to work if I, if I just keep chasing them. And I loved how you brought that back to relationships because this, this part of it, I think, and, and you know, the relationship you have with your, your, your kids, your, your wife is beautiful, but it's like, it's, it's really interesting the way you explain it. Like the arrow doesn't seek the target. The target draws the arrow. Yeah. And and you said that you weren't even in a space where you were seeking partnership. You weren't even you weren't even looking for it. And I think this is, you know, when you just said that, like even though I didn't know what was next, and I unbranded myself, but I had my son, and I could look at what I'd created. I think for a lot of people, they're struggling because even their relationship world is in limbo. Whether they don't have the right partner or they they don't have a partner and, and, you know, th- their work life's kind of going, but they don't have that. Where was it for you where you felt you attracted your wife? Like where, where did that come from? Yeah. So I, um, you know, we all have our biological clock and our idea when we're younger, when do we see ourselves <laughs> oh, having a meeting that, that woman or that man and then, and, and having a family, you know, and, and then those years come up on us. I, I, I'd never really been a time clock keeper, mm. um, but subconsciously, I, I, I was at a time in my life where I sure as heck didn't want to date anybody unless I thought it had possibilities of becoming a full, true, long-term relationship. Yeah, I didn't want to. I wasn't wanting to waste my time dating someone unless that potential was there, um, and if there wasn't. Well, it's time for us to move on. And we had some amiable breakups with some wonderful women that we just both saw. Hey, this is not going to, we both, we both want to find the one that we have more potential. We've gotten to a point as far as I think we can go. So, you know, um, but I did find myself looking, I found myself in the produce section at the store. (laughs) 
looking down. I wonder if she's going <laughs> to ring her finger. I wonder if maybe I'll say hi to her. I was, I was looking, you know, at the red light, at the, at a club or a bar or a friend would introduce. And what I did in my own thoughts and meditation and prayers on what came to me was, it's okay, Matthew. Don't try so hard to find the right woman to start a family. I know everything you've always, the one thing you've only known you ever wanted to be was a father, but you don't, don't try so hard to find the right woman to get married. You might end up an 88-year-old, 88-year-old bachelor with a bunch of kids. And I'm not going to judge you on that, but quit trying to make it happen. And as soon as I quit trying to make it happen, and what I was out and not sort of measuring women, like maybe it's a possibility, maybe not objectifying, like, well, I don't know. I was more present. I was more fun. I was more me. And as soon as I quit looking, that's when she came. <laughs> Not the same way I did, but when she showed up and I saw <laughs> her now, my now life moving across the room, uh, right to left in my eyeline. And I remember I saw this woman and, and, and under my breath to myself, I said, what is that? I didn't say who is it. I said, what is that? I got up, introduced myself. Spoke the best Spanish I've ever spoken. I've never spoken that good of Spanish since. <laughs> and, um, one of, and since that night I met her, there's never been another woman I wanted to, to go on a date with, uh, spend a night with, uh, anything. And she's now mother of three of our children, and, and, and we've been married now for, shoot, what are we coming on? Um, eight, nine years. Mm. And that's when I was able to found and find her. That's when I was able enough. It goes back to a little bit one of those earlier lessons with my father moving on. Be less impressed, more involved. Yes, yes. That's when I was I was comfortable to be myself and and give give her her space because I wasn't like trying to dissect. Wait, are you the one? I wasn't playing. I wasn't measuring her. I was able to be myself, hold my own constitution she was able to be herself and we naturally came together so it drew the uh, i the the uh the the target drew the arrow yeah when i quit looking i then that's when i found the one for me i have to ask do you dream a lot matthew do you remember your dreams a lot when you dream like is well, there, i remember is ones it? like that um <laughs> yeah. you never look, forget i that. have I, I do dream a lot um and like most people most dreams i forget most of them but i have had a few that are consistent that have, that, that have been recurring dreams. And when I have a recurring dream that is note for note, shot for shot, exactly the same dream, I take that as a sign, celestial suggestion at least, mm. that my subconscious is trying to tell me something or my God is trying to tell me something. Um, and, I, and, I, and I try to back up and go, okay, I need to listen to this. And you can't go to someone else for advice about it because it's only your dream. And <laughs> yeah. it was a dream. So you have to really go, how much merit do I give this? Yeah. You know, and you were talking about it earlier. The truths, sometimes we don't, we miss the green lights around yeah. us. They're there. Yeah. Are we in a place to receive them? Are we in a place to be patient enough to make them personal and see why they came to us? Then are we courageous enough to act on them and preserve them and make them part of our daily habits and inner being? Yeah. They come around all the time. And as you know, you can't listen to every sign. No. Or you're running circles. You know, <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah. And everything, you know, you're seeing art everywhere. Oh my gosh, I got that quote in there about a man full of ideas needs to be needs some starvation. A man full of truths needs to be fed. Well, I've had yes. those times where I'm full of so many ideas. Every I'm inspired everywhere. And I'm going, I gotta cut some of this out because there's too much inspiration. I yeah. can't I can't focus. There it's a shotgun spread, and I need a rifle here. <laughs> um, and at the same time. 
you don't want to be so closed up that you're missing them or you let them pass and you don't give them credit when they, when they come. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, one of your dreams, obviously not, not a dream while you were asleep was to become a father. Like that was always been a big thing for you. What was it that you dreamed of about being a father that you look forward to so much and how is it being un like, how has that been completely surpassed in reality? Yeah. So because I'm not a father yet. So, so I'm you're not, you know, I'm okay. not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so I remember when I was eight years old, this having this romantic realization that the reason my dad wanted me to call the men that he would introduce me to sir and shake their hand and look them in the eye, which I was looking up at their eye as a young eight year old boy. It came to me that what's the one consistency in all these men that I am giving them the respect of, yes, sir. Why am I calling them sir? Because they're fathers. Mm. And I remember at eight years old going, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's when you've made it. That's success as a male on earth to become wow. a father. So to me, that was like, ta-da, one day, then you've made it, Matt. Mm. That was always very clear to me since I was eight years old. And the one thing I always knew I wanted to be. Now I have children. You have the first, if and when you do have. I write about in the book, the first six months after you have your firstborn, don't double down, triple down <laughs> on any instinct you have. Man is never more masculine and clear. The man's heart and head and spirit are never more aligned than right after he has a firstborn. Triple down on any instinct you got, career-wise, <laughs> relationship-wise, everything. You're in the zone. Good to know. Um, um, and so then you have them. The, the, the thing that, one of the surprising things, and all parents, I think, know this, is that before having children, I thought it was more about environment than it was DNA. <laughs> you have children and you realize we're early. No, it's more about biology than I thought. They kind of are who they are. <laughs> I can nudge them and shepherd them and move them their way and put in front of them what turns them on and try to keep them from, from dangerous harm. But they are who they are. Um, the best thing that I didn't notice about having children before I had children is that now I'm immortal. I'm immortal. Hopefully they have kids and that's the lineage. So now when whatever perceivable shadow we leave when we're gone, that's my, that's the shadow I want to leave. That's the shadow that will keep me alive forever. That's the just keep living shadow right there. You become immortal when you become a father or a parent, a mother mm. becomes mm. immortal. Mm. That's great. That's great advice. That's that's beautiful. What's what's a skill or a what's what's a skill or a quality that you think you're most wanting to see them develop? That or 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 and and vice versa. What's something that you think they've taught you about yourself that yeah. you didn't expect? Um, I, Camille and I are trying, to, hoping to raise them. Whatever they individually, uh, in their own individual ways to be uh, conscientious, autonomous, and confident people. Um, we value family. We also value self-reliance. Um, I want to, you know, and you'll see if and when you become a parent, you, you, you have to measure. Kids aren't afraid to fall, fall off out of a tree until they fall. <laughs> so, how high on that limb do you let them go before telling them, no, 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 come down, down. Yeah. Because for the first time when you do that, they're like, what? What's the big, and all of a sudden they get nervous. Yeah. So you measure, 
in life. And it's a metaphor, the tree limit. You measure, well, I'm not going to be cool because if they fall from that one, they may just scrape their arm and bruise themselves and that, that'll be worth it. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the innocence and purity that they have. But then all of a sudden they get up to a limb tall and be like, dude, if they fell from that, that's, we're going to the hospital. I think I may need to tell them to come on down, but for the first time, you're going to make them conscious. Yeah. They're going to have to put on the fig leaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so to measure that and let mm. them negotiate situations on themselves for themselves, mm. let them, the three of don't interrupt every time the three of them are arguing or they're arguing with their friends. Let them negotiate. That's real life. They're going to get out. The world's not just going to lay out a carpet for them. Yeah. In my life, we're an affluent family. I want to give my children a lot. I want them to own up to where the affluence that we have, but damn sure not rely on it. Yeah. And then also, how do we define success? It's a very interesting thing. Look up the earliest Webster Dictionary version of success to today's version of success. Today is about, it mentions like fame and money and all these things. And the original version talks about integrity. And, and, and so, so what wow. is success? What do we, what do, what do they want to be relevant for? They're all three very kind children. Some more, con- one of them is more conscientious than the other two. <laughs> one of them is the, 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 the comedic relief in the family, but smart as well. The other one is very creative, but, Doggone it, doesn't know where she put her glasses and they're on her face. The other one, when you're looking for your glasses, she reminds you on, the, he reminds you they're on your face. You know what I mean? So yeah. there are different, they're just, some of them are very practical at times. Some of them are very whimsical. They're all very, very kind. Um, and uh, I hope them be that they're conscientious, autonomous, and confident with who they are and have the ability to, you know, we, we still say, we never, we never say, don't talk to strangers. Mm. No, we travel the world and we're like, yes, go introduce yourself. Go ask them. No, no, no. I'm not going to do it for you. Go. I'll, I'll be over watching. Engage. The world's a good place. There's evil in it. We have to, but, but I don't want to get you gun shy about the harms in the world before, you know, you realize some of them yourself and let them engage in some where they may have the bruise or the scrape. I don't want to engage them in the ones that send them to the hospital. Of course. But- <laughs> Engage in the ones that you come away going, oh, that didn't feel like what I thought. As I said, don't, now you know, you know, so selfish, you know, well, that's another thing I can get into what I, what I feel about that word selfish and unpack that because I'm a fan of that word because yeah, I think go the for most, it. most selfish is actually being the most selfless mm-hmm. um, people, you know, look at what we're in now and all the change we're going through. I don't know how to make systemic and, change. I don't know how to write policy, but each one of us know how to look ourselves in the mirror and say, how can I do a little bit better? Yeah. How can I value values a little bit more for myself? And if I do that, you do that. And another person listening does that. Well, all of a sudden we start forming a collective and that collective will be better. It will be a more valuable society. Yeah. So what is that spot where the choice, I call it the egotistical utilitarian. Where's that spot where the choices we make for us? Yes. I'm doing this for me. My ego wants to do this. Where does that I meet the we? Yes. Where does the want meet the need and the need meet the want? Yeah. Where do we look as good as we feel and feel as good as we look? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> where, where do those overlap? And that seems to me to be the honey hole. Yeah. That I'm trying to unpack and continually chase knowing I'm never going to get there. But I think that's what it's about. Totally. <laughs> Chasing yet. That's what our lives are about. That's what America's about. 
You know, it's an aspiration. And if we have the will and the want to go, you know what? I want to incrementally, I, I incrementally believe life is going to have an evolutionary small ascension, but things can improve just a little bit. Or what the hell are we growing older for? What's experience for? If we're not, you know, if there's not at least a little ascension um, and keep chasing that, stay in the race, commit to the chase of that. And that is as close to the destination as we get, you know, again, maybe it'll be realized two generations later, you know? Yeah. yeah there's a few things in there. The, uh, there's a Sanskrit word called Dharma, which, which has lots of translations, but one of them is, is purpose. And, and purpose is seen as the meshing of passion and compassion. And so what you were mm -hmm. saying there of like that understanding of like, you know, that egotistic utilitarian of like, you know, where is it that, I feel like I'm winning and we're winning. Like, and it's, yes. and it's having an impact like, yes. because you're not going to find it in either or. Like if you get obsessed with just your egotistical pursuits, we all know where that goes. And yep. if you just get obsessed with trying to make a difference and trying to serve, but you don't feel like you are playing your part in a way yep. that fulfills you, it's, you know, you, it's unsustainable too. And the point you were saying about, yeah, the point you were saying about children. Yeah. The, po the point you were saying about children too, I, I found that really interesting because something I always kind of wonder about before I have kids is like fragility and like what is my fragility uh, barrier or limit for my kids? Because what you're saying there is like, we reflect our fragilities and insecurities onto them. And right. and and I remember I had a, I had a, I had a couple of friends who, I remember they, their daughter probably, I don't know, like two years old was like on the other side of the room and there were candles there and she was just playing with the candles, like her hands were over the fire. And, and my, and I don't have kids, but my instinctual response was like, guys, she, she's going to burn us. Like, we need to go save her. And they were like, nope, nope. Like that was their limit. Like they were like, nope, let her play with the fire. It's only a tiny candle. If she hurts herself, she'll know. She'll, and I was like, wow. Like, you know, I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's, well, it's, yeah. I mean, she'll go out. She'll remove her hand from the fire before she's actually really burned and yeah. she'll know from that on that that glowing thing is hot <laughs> and it won't, you know, won't do it again. Usually won't do it again. Yeah. And you know, we don't, we don't, we can be told what to do. We can be taught what to do. Yeah. People can give us advice, but really we don't like to be told what to do. No, <laughs> nobody does. Kids don't even like to be told what to do. No one does. If you go experience something and you have a parent, you have friends that let you go, give it a shot. Maybe yeah. you can pull it off. I didn't pull it off. I wasn't able to pull up. Sometimes you'll see him pull off stuff. You're like, oh, you just changed my reality. Yeah. I couldn't pull that off, but you did. Yeah. You can jump further. I didn't think you could make it over that creek. And you did. Whoa. Bravo. Okay. <laughs> you've you've re redefined uh, the, my measuring paradigm for the situation now. Um, so sometimes they can surprise us. Yeah. Because they have a more they have a talent, a true more of a talent for something than than we ourselves do. Yeah. Um the other thing to answer that question about what have they taught me. Um, you know, when we first had kids, before we had kids, Camilla said to me, one condition. So what's that? She goes, you go, we go, which means my work takes me all over the world. And up to that point, I had always gone off on my own, lived in my Airstream trailer with my dog. I don't go out on school nights. I go to work in the morning. I come home, fix my meal, have a drink, study tomorrow's work, go to bed over and over and over. I don't see anybody, nothing. All of a sudden, I'm like, my family there. Wait, I can't be an artist with my family there. But of course, the, the good the good voice, the smart voice, my other ear said, you better say yes, ma'am, right now. <laughs> sir. And I went, yes, ma'am. 
anyway, turned out to be the most wonderful thing for creativity as well. Yeah. When I'm doing, as you know, I've done a lot of hardcore dramas that happen to be like R-rated that my kids cannot see. Mm-hmm. But how it's been great for me when I come home with my kids, five-year-old. So what's this, what's this movie about? <laughs> and I've got to tell them in the version that can make it sound fabelic or make it sound where they're with it and they think it sounds really, really cool and interesting <laughs> in a G-rated way. So that's been really good for my creativity to answer those simple questions from my kids when I get home from work. Or why are you doing this job? Why, why, why are you taking this role? Uh, great. Thank you for asking me that. Let me see if I can give you a satisfactory answer. And if I can't, it's another measurement that we see earlier. Well, maybe I don't have this down yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful because I think, especially as someone as, as successful an artist as you, it's so easy to get wrapped up in like, this is how I get the most creative or this is my optimal performance level, or I know how to get in the zone. And, And that can sometimes be our greatest block to actually getting into the zone in a completely different way. Yeah, I'm very much, I had a, a great mentor of mine who would tell me, Matthew, you, you work so hard and prepare so hard for a scene. You love to go in any situation balanced, both <laughs> feet balanced. You love to go in like this. She goes, I'm going to tell you this. I dare you to start looking at life and your work right before you go into it. Get on one leg and see if you can find your balance. Because in finding your balance, is when you're most alive in yeah. finding the balance, the, 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 the stable position is when life's a verb and you see life come and it's life really happens, you know? Um, and it was a great note, not just in work, but in life, go into a situation and instead of coming in set locked in, do the work that you know how to be sturdy and balanced, but go into it intentionally off balance and find your balance. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. I can, I can, my head's like applying that to a million things right now. That is so beautiful. I love that. I, I love the fact that when we're off balance, that's when we're most alive. It's when we're most animated, searching, seeking, like looking, like as soon as you feel like you've got it, you know, it just, oh, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I love that. And in your, in, your, in your book, in the last chapter, you talk about the 10 goals you set out to achieve. And we were just talking about your kids achieving things that you didn't see yourself achieving. You had your life goals written out. Have you surprised yourself? Have you, uh, did you always feel convinced it was going to happen? Which ones have been the ones that uh, surprised you and which ones are the ones were like, yeah, I I, I saw that. Well, it's it's a funny thing because here's why I didn't surprise myself because when I wrote those 10 goals down in 1989, I forgot about them the next day. I never looked at them again. God, I had written them, but obviously I didn't forget I wrote them because I accomplished all 10, although I consciously never looked at them again or remembered them even in a mental list in my mind. Wow. So I guess the best I can tell is that, oh, you wrote down some really true goals for yourself, McConaughey, because you didn't even have to write them down. They were written inside you with the unwritten word because you accomplished them. Now, look, there's some in there that I pulled off. I'm like, What? <laughs> In 1989, you didn't even know you were going to be an actor. You wouldn't even admit you wanted to be an actor. And you wrote down you wanted to win an Academy Award for Best Actor? What? (laughs) Didn't look at that for 28, 29 years and found it writing this book. And I went, "Uh, okay. Want to be a father, keep God in my life, family, live a life where I could look forward looking back. I had some pretty 
cool aspirations that for the most part I've, I've, I've have succeeded in some way in achieving. Yeah. It's special to see that. And I, and I love that, that it was again, planted as a seed, but you weren't obsessed about it in, in a, in a, in a, in a right. practical way, because it's that, it's that obsession that almost makes you feel so far away from it. Uh, you know, if you, if you're constantly like looking at it every day going, Oh, where is that? Where is that? And you're only looking at the Oscar. Whereas actually for you, it was that, you know, that pivot of like, I've been doing these types of movies and I feel like I need yeah. to unbrand my, you know, all of that was what got you the Oscar. It wasn't yeah. obsessing over the Oscar. You're exactly right. And yeah. look, your word purpose, it's let's deconstruct that in this way for myself as well as everyone else, because that clarity of purpose to see something and go accomplish. I love that. Yeah. I need that. It gives me significance, achievement. Oh, I can measure it. I wanted to do that today and I got that done. This yeah. is what I wanted and I got that. But it's a dance because not everything is like that. And I don't, if, if, if you have a, for instance, in my work, I wouldn't have gone and done work that was deemed excellent a la win an Academy Award or done whatever work I've done that anyone may deem excellent. I wouldn't have been as good at it. I wasn't as good at it until I had a family that came first. When it was my top goal, I was more result in her. In her in, uh, it was more about the result. Mm. When I had family and I was like, oh, well, there we go. Now I've made it. <laughs> Acting was number two. Didn't mean I worked any less hard at it. If anything, I worked harder at it, but I was all about the process. I've gotten so many more results when I didn't give a damn about the result. It's like that, uh, um, you know, best rounds of golf. You know, when you walk off the 18th hole and you're headed to the next tee box and they go, no, you finished the round. You're like, oh, I didn't even know. I was over the round. Oh, yeah, you shot 63. What? Yeah. You know, my best work is when we wrap and I'm like, okay, everyone, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And they're like, no, there is no tomorrow morning. The show's over. I'm like, oh, that's it? <laughs> you know, it's the yeah. Bo Jackson. He didn't run across the goal line. He ran across the goal line through the end zone up the tunnel. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like extend your finish line to, or to, a, to a place that you're like, oh, it, it's like now dealing with COVID. I think it's very good for us to think, what if this is going on for another three years? Mm. We'll probably be able to gauge engage somewhat normally before then. Yeah. But if I, if I think that in my mind, I'm already starting to get my, my purpose and survival skills are, are coming to the forefront. I'm preparing. If I'm thinking, Oh, I hope COVID's over tomorrow. I'm wasting 30% of my energy thinking is tomorrow the day. And then I wake up and go, Oh, not today. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> no, not tomorrow. You're wasting energy. So it's, it's a good practice. I think to put things way out in front of you that are beyond your reach. Yeah. So then they don't they don't stay in that first place. You can't quite grasp them. You can't. They're not tangible. And you'll actually probably achieve them. Have a better chance of achieving them if you just put your head down and stay in the process. I love that. I love that, man. Everyone, that is Green Lights uh, by Matthew McConaughey. Make sure you grab the book. We're putting the link in the comments. I highly recommend it if you want to be entertained, enlightened, and have an experience at the same time. It's uh, it's a perfect journey in that. And if you want to learn more about someone that you've been watching for so many years and loving and appreciating, then uh, this is the book to go to. Uh, Matthew, we end every episode with a fast five. These are the final five questions and they have to be answered in one word to one sentence maximum. 
So that th- th- that's the deal. And you've always been already been very generous with your time. So this is this is the last thing. So your first question is: what was your biggest lesson from the last 12 months? Make sense of humor your default emotion. Nice. I like it. Awesome. All right. Question number two. What's something you know to be true, but other people would disagree with you on? What's something that you're like very confident about, but people may may not agree with you? Spending time alone and not enjoying the company is a healthy, constructive practice because there's only one person we're stuck with in this life. (laughs) (laughs) Spending time alone and not enjoying the company is a constructive choice. Stick with it. Don't pull the parachute in the discomfort. You will work it out. The monkeys on your back will finally start playing and then and, and, and swinging from the trees in a right way and you, it will get organized. Don't pull the parachute in the discomfort. Stick through it. Because if you pull out too early, when you're not getting along with yourself, it's going to bubble up in awkward ways later on and you're going to be forced to go through the penance. So stick with it. You'll come out the other side. You'll shake hands with yourself and you'll realize there's only one person I can't get rid of and that's me. We better get along. <laughs> I love that. That's great advice. I had many moments like that in my monk life. So I, I could definitely relate to sticking through that. Okay. Question number three. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Invisible. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. I got I got to just take the, the easy low hanging fruit and go, and then, and then, and then just say, okay, now that you're invisible, let's see if you can handle this great freedom. Yeah. That's a real tester there. That's the one that'll challenge somebody the most. What can you do with that power? It is true. It is true. Can you be trusted with that power? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you trust yourself with it? And can you deal with what it exposes you to? Yep. Yeah. Those are challenges. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Question number four. When does a risk not make sense? Because as you were saying, your father, when you take risks, you started to take, you've taken loads of risks in your life. You know, there's there's plenty of examples in the book. When does a risk not make sense? When it's for risk's sake. Mm. It's like, you know, an eccentricity for eccentricity's sake. Yeah. Like, well, what the hell is that for? Yeah. I, I like to see, is there, const- is there construction? Is, there, mm. is this a constructive risk? Yeah. Is taking this risk, what can it pay? What can I get from it? Yeah. What will be the green light in this? What is my ROI? Mm-hmm return on investment of taking this risk. And like I said, it's not a risk unless you can lose a fight. Mm. It's not really a risk unless you can lose a fight. Yeah. Well said. All right. Fifth and final question. If you could create a law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Mm, It's not a law, but I'll say this. Great question for, for all of us to ask ourselves every day. And it will change. This answer changes. Great question to ask ourselves is this two words, I value, mm. question mark. Yeah, because we all, you know, I, I bring this up in the book about, we all want to be relevant. Damn right we do. But let's not forget to ask relevant for what? Mm. What really matters? What's going to pick? Think long money, not short money. What's the long ROI? What's the big eternal green light? You know, um, tee yourself up for the future, you know, as much as you can, you know? Um, yeah, I value is a great question that uh, I think it's 
prudent for all of us to ask ourselves. I think and no, it'll change. It'll change. The answer will change. I think it's a great law. I love that. Everyone, Matthew McConaughey, Green Lights. Uh, make sure you go and grab a copy of the book. Matthew, this has been amazing. I've, I've loved every part of this discussion. I'm so glad I got the opportunity to not only read the book, but to spend this time with you and dive in. If there's anything I didn't let you share or anything that's on your mind that you're like, Jay, I really want to share this. So I really want to put this out there. Uh, the stage is yours. So if there's anything. No, that, that was it. I look forward to talking to you again in the future about your three years as a monk. I'd love that, and man. How, and how much that or how much or how little, to what extent that still defines who you are today. Yeah. Um, because as we all know, you know, the truths that cross us in those times of solitude, the world is built to strip those away. Yeah. And it takes, it's hard to maintain those truths amongst the masses. That old Emerson quote, may the truth that comes to me in solitude, can I please march through the masses with still the clarity that it holds? Yes. So I'd love to have a, long, a deeper, longer conversation about what that, you know. Yeah, for years. sure. I'd love to share it with you. And yeah, it's been seven years since I've left. And it's just, uh, it's it's been the, you know, I've always described it as like monk school was like going to school. And, and then the last seven years have been like the exam. And so I wow. feel like I've been applying, I've been noticing the lessons everywhere in the masses in the real world. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to pass as many tests as I can, but you know, right. some you pass, some you fail. And I, but I enjoy the fact that I feel I have the schooling in the map. And so yes. I've tried for me, I've tried my, my biggest, you know, vision is to try to continue to live it. And actually I enjoy the challenge of having to apply it in the masses. Yes. Because that's, yes. that's, that's where the, that's where the fun is. Like, that's where I get the, the, the excitement. That's from. the buzz, right? Yeah. That's the thrill. That's the, buzz. the thrill yes. is not being on the mountaintop. The thrill is being in, in the space. And <laughs> in trying the game. To, yeah. In the Amen. game. So, so yeah, man, I look forward to that. Let me know how's best. I'd love to. That would be beautiful. And, uh, but this was awesome, man. And we can't wait to share it with the community. They're going to love it. And they'll love the book too. It's perfect. Like it's exactly what our community loves. So it's going to be amazing. Oh, great. And thank, yeah. thank you, Jay. I sure enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Pleasure meeting you, Matthew. Thank you so you much. Too. Take care. Have a wonderful evening. Mm -hmm.